You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to call in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first from my heart to your ancestors and to mine, and I give thanks to these people for dreaming of a better future, that we could be here now. We could be the living here at this time of the new world. And I call out to those ancestors, those who lived well and died well and who bring all that is good and true and beautiful from each of the lineages that come together to make each one of us. I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today, to stand round us, to stand behind our backs and to help us whisper in our ears, help us to learn from those who have gone before us, help us to stop making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, help us to innovate, to create, to be in the world world we live in today and to come up with the path forward that will make our descendants proud to call us their ancestors. I ask our ancestors to help us to be those people and to be those people today. And with these ancestors gathered round us, I give such great gratitude and then turn my awareness in and I invite you to follow me to turn your awareness in from your mind to your heart from your heart to your belly, and with your next breath from your belly down to the earth. We take a moment as we touch the earth in this way on this day to give thanks for life. Thanks for this day. Thanks for the diversity in life and the beauty. Thanks for all that has been on your journey that has brought you to this moment. For this moment itself and for all the moments to come, we give thanks to the earth. We give thanks to the earth for the great generosity in her dreaming that allows us to heal, allows us to change, allows us to transform and to be renewed. And for the wonder of being alive at this time, we give great thanks to the earth. And with the next breath, we send our energy down, down into the very center of the earth where we anchor ourselves firmly and touch this essence energy of refreshment, rejuvenation, replenishment. We reach into the earth energy and draw it up, drawing it up into our day, into our body, into these proceedings, and we call up all the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. We call this energy up that we might understand grounding, that we might understand place, home, hearth, and how to know these things in a way that are not bound only to a place on the earth, but these are qualities we take with us that we might greet the other anywhere and call them in to our hearth to share a meal. And so we call out to this energy of the earth to help us to understand connection, interconnection, and the great oneness of all things and to be part of this great web of life, to live in a way that feeds that web, live in a way that we're not a dead end 
but that we are a channel through which love and life and light flows to nourish that web of life. So we ask the energy of the earth to help us to live in this way. And with the energy of the earth rising into our bellies and from our bellies up into our hearts and our hearts up into our minds, we rise up with this energy up through all the layers of the sky, through the weather that is above you, out through the atmosphere, all the way out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that energy, reach out to that energy and draw it down. And in this way, we call into our day blessing. We call in protection and generosity, devotion, commitment. We call in these energies to infuse and inspire us. We call this sky energy down into our head, into our heart, into our belly. And we take a moment, just a moment to be in awe of this great meeting of heaven and earth within us, the two great lovers, the legendary lovers that create this big love energy from which all things in form are born. So we give thanks to this energy and we ask this big love to awaken our hearts and we call out to the spirit of the heart to open. We call out to the spirit of the heart to be the crucible of change that only it can be. And we call out to that crucible to draw up the energies from our belly and the fiery passions of why we are here and to call down the crystal clarity of the mind that we can begin to understand, hmm, how do I do this in this life? And we draw these energies together so that they dance, they tango, they salsa, they come together in such a way that it gives birth to this third energy that has never been known before which is the energy of your soul's purpose. And may you find the courage in your heart to know that, to know that intense feeling, that passion of why you are here. And may you find in that heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, something, to bring that energy into manifestation in the world. We give thanks to these spirit energies for gathering around us here today. We ask that what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And speaking of living things, I give thanks to you, especially to those listeners who are able to donate financially to keep the show on the air. If you're listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. And because of the generosity of those who listen, those who are moved by this show one way or another, and allow that movement to move them into action, because of that, the show is alive and well. And I give thanks to Paula, to David, to Tiffany, and all of the listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show. And also your donations cover things so that the show can be here for those who are not able to donate. And if you are one of those people, I ask you to use the show to change your life, to become a person who is also able to give back and let this circle round, let this come full circle and, and let us all work together to change the world. So I give thanks to all of you who support the show in other ways, with your ideas, with your questions, by bringing the teachings into your journey circles, by stepping up to the challenges and changing how you're living your life. For all of the many ways that you keep the show alive and well and vital, I give thanks to you. I could not do this alone. And I give thanks to Co-Creator Network for being our host, 
being our keeper and being our technical genius. So I give thanks to everyone that makes this show what it is. If you would like to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. You can donate any amount you want in any currency, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And for all that you do to make the show live, I give thanks. I also give thanks to our guest today, Lori Shainsky. Lori, welcome. Location. Very beautiful. Thank you for asking me to do this and to share what I know as best so, I can. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Lori. Everybody, Lori is here today to talk to us about sound and song and this aspect of art as we explore in our series here, Art and Shamanism. So for those who don't know, Lori lives here with me <laughs> in Portland. <laughs> Aren't we lucky? And uh, she currently has a thriving practice here in shamanic sound healing at Hidden Lake Retreat, which is outside of Portland, um, which she co-owns and runs with her partner. Lori has been practicing shamanism since 1998 and shamanic sound healing specifically since 2005. Her primary teachers are Jan Engel Smith, uh, Michael and Sandra Harner, Tom Kenyon, Tom Cowan, and Betsy Bergstrom. Uh, Before studying shamanism and sound healing, uh, Lori was a faculty member at the Center for Science and Education and the Graduate School of Education at Portland State University. She founded and was executive director of Wolf Tree, a nonprofit uh, dedicated to science education in the outdoors for young people. And she also writes grants or has written grants and served as a consultant for environmental education and nonprofit organizations. So she teaches um, shamanic sound healing for Light Song School of Shamanic Studies here in Portland and is on the council for that school, serving as a mentor, associate teacher, and healer. She is a ceremonial singer and a sweat lodge water pourer. She's deeply committed to the earth and the earth's animals. Her mission is to serve others and the earth through transformative experience with spirit and nature. Now, we are not live today. However, if you have questions about the show, you can reach Lori at Lori, L-A-U-R-I, at shamanicsoundhealing.com. You can also email me with questions, uh, Christina at lastmasscenter.org. And you can also find Lori at her website, shamanicsoundhealing.com. Okay. That's all the business there. So, Lori, (laughs) thanks again for joining us today. Um, So, would you share with us kind of the pivotal event or how it is that you got from um, academics and working with the environment and being a fine, upstanding member of community to a wild shamanic sound healer out in the environs of Portland. So was there a a pivotal moment or something where things began to really shift for you? Well, I would have to say that falling deeply in love with my soulmate, um, I think was the pivotal point that opened the door to my shamanic path. About the same time I started um, participating in the Anipi or sweat lodge ceremonies, and um, and then I met Jan Inglesmith, and things just broke open. When my heart broke open, 
um, the spirits rushed in and really changed my whole life as I know it. <laughs> my old life um, kind of disintegrated rather instantaneously and broke open into this way of, of walking and being um, a servant of spirit, basically. And then it was through the experiences of, of singing in the lodge and coming into relationship with spirits around the songs that really opened the door to my development in sound healing, along with all of my years of listening to the birds. The birds have been a really big teacher in sound and song and communicating power through um, the Earth's environment as well as the etheric worlds. So, um, in a nutshell, love and the birds. And love Rod. and the birds. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of the things that's emerging um, beautifully, I think, in doing this series where we're just focusing on on art and shamanism is, is ways of describing intimacy with spirit and, and, mm-hmm. and that relationship with spirit and kind of getting out of what's somewhat for some people becoming a bit of a head trip to just journey right. and write our journeys down and think about it. Um, but before we forge too deeply into that, um, one of my favorite realms, um, <laughs> let's back up for just a moment and assume that perhaps listeners have never heard of sound healing and mm-hmm. just give a, a simple kind of the landscape of, of, of sound healing, if you would. I mean, I realize it's mm-hmm. a huge territory, but just kind of the basics. Um, and, and, and so that way we can then talk about how, how to then distinguish your work in that. Okay, great. I think it's fairly simple, and I love um, Jonathan Goldman and Tom Kenyon both sort of struck upon this really simple equation that describes um, the basic fundamental aspects of sound healing, and that is intention plus sound equals healing and manifestation. And so it's basically based upon the understanding and knowing this that sound is a carrier wave of intention. And so when we hold an intention or a desire in our hearts and we make sound um, around and within that intention that we can actually visualize and as well as feel the vibration of that intention going out into um, wherever it needs to go and the sound helps organize around that intention to bring about healing and manifestation of that intention. So it's a big sort of a orchestrating power that helps organize um, matter and energy into form and a configuration that is in alignment with whatever the intention is that's being held. Does that make so, sense? Yeah, yeah. So what then distinguishes your work from the general landscape of sound healing, which sounds like a pretty cool place to go hang out. So. It is a really cool place to hang out. <laughs> I think um, what I know about Tom 
Kenyon's and Jonathan Goldman's work is they are, at least in the background, working with deities, divine entities, spirits, intergalactic ones in their work, but they, um, in all of the recordings and processes that I have had my experiences with them, there's not this explicit discussion of, of the relationship between how we work with the spirits to um, guide the sound healing process. And so the work that I do very much creates and establishes a sh- shamanic framework, which is actively uh, invoking the compassionate spirits into the process and um, working with how we develop that relationship with the spirits and how that relationship facilitates and adds power and accuracy and precision to the sound healing process. So it's very much a blend of classic shamanism and sound healing. And it doesn't sound to me like someone has to believe they can sing to be able to do this. No, and actually a lot of the work that we do in my classes um, focuses on how we work with the voice to open it and um, have it become the amazing sound healing instrument that it is. You know, shamans have uh, have been known to have big suitcases full of stuff that they cart around to to bring about their healing process. And really, um, we all walk around with our voices, and it's a really amazing and accurate um, tool for setting healing intentions into motion. And with a few little shifts in belief systems and clearing our our histories of those negative um, messages that we've gotten about our voices, you know, better to be seen but than heard and, <laughs> you know, quiet, don't make a sound and, you know, all, the way up. <laughs> yeah, or, or all those things, yeah. uh, with the help of the spirits, um, they actually create a healing in the students and then the students actually facilitate a healing for others through the healing of, of their own, um, you know, things about their voice. And it's really, well, it's one of my favorite aspects about my classes, you know, we'll come in, people come in and they'll express that, Oh, I can't, you know, sing worth, worth of beans or, you know, my, I don't have a very good voice, you know, all those things. And, um, about two or three weeks into the process and it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe what's coming out of their mouths and neither can they. And then it just becomes a positive feedback loop of hearing and feeling the power of their voice and they're using it as a, as a force, as a creative force in their life, whether or not they're doing sound healing you know, on with people or, or, or healing their life and, and things around their, their world and their family and so forth. I have to acknowledge while I'm listening to you talking, my mind keeps flashing on, um, stories about when my mom went to swim with dolphins for healing Ah. and, (laughs) and, you know, and how the dolphins would, 
would many dolphins would get around a person who's sort of floating perpendicular in the water mm-hmm. and they they you know so the dolphins would come in kind of horizontal and scan them and zoom in with their sonar and change their pitches and it would you know just totally um uh scan manipulate and change their physical body's energy by um toning them just yeah. zapping them <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. It, it's it's unfathomable actually in my it's like i i can tell you what i think and what i've experienced and then to see and feel it happening is is almost beyond the beyond and the animals totally understand this and i think they work in in realms that we are just catching up with them with regards to um, their sound and their capacity to heal with vibration. Well, and I think because we're just a little bit older than 22, we can um, <laughs> we can also um, comment on you know these these generations now have have a constant soundtrack in their life, mm-hmm. um, but it's digital, and right. and. And very few have the ability even to go see a live performance and experience the actual acoustic presence of of these people that whose songs move them and mm-hmm. were some old enough to remember being able to actually go <laughs> and, be, right. and be present and and experience the profound difference, even if we're not entering into the shamanic realm, but the profound difference of an artist engaged in live performance yeah. is different than listening yeah. to a recording of the exact same artist's uh, music. Sound yeah, is yeah. a felt experience. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah, and there's that that um, connection, that soul connection between the performer or the emanator and their all of the energetic learning and intelligence and compassion that they have, you know, that rides out on their voice into the audience. And I think that that... Um, is what goes along with feeling the the physical vibration of sound. There's also that felt sense um, of whatever the the emotional energy is also what we're responding to as an audience. And um, so, yeah, that's that's an interesting um, idea. And and it was really interesting. I had a chance to. Um, go to temple um, uh, maybe it was 10 years ago I was into sound healing and and um, ceremonial singing and and the impact that the the cantor had in his singing was so phenomenally different than it was when I was young and didn't have the the um, attention or understanding of what song in ceremony actually does you know, we and and I think the hymns and gospel um, and that revitalization and rejuvenation that we get from being in that bath of intentional, um, even if it's religious singing, is a really good demonstration of of sound healing in sort of the more dogmatic worlds of religion. 
but um, it's a it's a really good illustration of that. So I want to share a little story here really quickly. Um, this is a story from the conference I was just at up in BC, which you uh, were also participating right. at. And one evening after the official ceremony, there was an unofficial ritual that just <laughs> um, happened sort of spontaneously. And um, there were a number of musicians, both um, people singing and people playing in instruments, drums and such, accompanying this ritual as it was happening. And um, this was the moment at which I went, oh, I'm going to ask Lori to do the radio show. <laughs> um, and part of the reason is this. So there was a number of musicians involved. I don't know, eight, nine people at this point. And I'm, I'm partly observing the ritual because I'm supposed to be sort of actually participating in that. But I'm also observing the musicians. And what I'm part of, part of the thing about singing in particular is – I think the same is also true dancing because you're really – your whole body is involved in what's happening mm-hmm. is – Observing that, one can also see whether someone is singing their song, which is not necessarily a bad thing, except in ritual. But, you know, to some, for someone to really sing their song, like as an artist singing their song, can be a really beautiful thing. It's a different thing, though, than watching someone be sung by the mm-hmm. song that needs mm-hmm. to happen in the moment. It's an mm-hmm. entirely – and what's interesting in that moment for me is I got to watch you know, several people singing and, and you in particular were bringing in the song that needed to be sung in the moment really mm-hmm. powerfully. And then others were catching that and working with you and then others would chime in with their own song. <laughs> It was just like uh, <laughs> fingernails on the chalkboard in that moment because the ritual was trying to go somewhere. And mm-hmm. you all, for the most part, were supporting. And then every once in a while, someone's ego song would pop up and it'd be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was such an interesting experience. But that's the other thing about singing or dancing or being, you know, full bodied in the the ritual and ceremonial process is you're also really naked. I mean, you're either bringing it in or you're yourself and it's real obvious. Right. <laughs> was, was this an evening of the um, men's ceremony? Yeah. yeah. I, I have to say that was one of the most orgasmic musical experiences that I've ever had <laughs> because it was so organic and um, spirit-driven and the power that was coming um, up from the earth, um, you know, very much like your your invocation this um, at the beginning of this session, that was all happening for me while I was um, in that process. It's like the songs, the sound was singing me and you could tell, I, I, I thought that was neat that you could see and feel the difference between a channeled set of notes, which then become a song from, you know, distinguished from, you know, somebody's song that they're carrying around in their head. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, that, that, that was such an amazing 
um, thing. And, uh, yeah, that was just an, an amazing experience. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then experiencing what's happening so that the ritual can happen as the other musicians intuitively begin to pick up on who's who who is the song singing here and mm-hmm. how do I become part of that? How do I mm-hmm. lend my instrument, whatever that might be, to the song? It's such a profound act of surrender, which is orgasmic. <laughs> it is. It, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was that was really something i um that that will always remain in my heart a, a very seminal experience and, and to um, me it it also speaks to the, the the sort of the range we have in this shamanic work between that which was a really organic ritual process that did have an intent although it wasn't exactly clear how we were going to get there but we got there you know, mm-hmm. and and with everybody working together in that, um, mm-hmm. and and we have to honor Jean Luc's mastery. It's really Jean Luc at his best in mm-hmm. you know ritual happening in the moment and and mm-hmm. helping just to shape it along. So we do end up where the intention uh, pointed us in the first place. Um, right. So anyway, so there's that end of shamanism, and then there's that other part which is. Um, what I call ceremonial, where where we are s- deeply um, in the in the power and the strength of the traditions, right? Because you also carry that medicine, which right. is um, to, to carry the songs, right. the history, the tradition, the 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 heart of the people. Right. So maybe in contrast, I was going to get there at the end of the show, but maybe we should go there now because it really speaks to this breadth that shamanism offers us between mm-hmm. the totally spontaneous and spirit driven and the and the deeply uh traditional and familiar and spirit driven right well it, that's interesting that you mentioned that because um uh during the firewalk of during that the conference um i was led to um feel and hear that um i was to help sing while we were um, building the fire and um, the songs that I thought I was going to channel songs like I did during the ceremony, but um, the songs that we sing, um, the bundle that I carry um, came forward. And what happens in these traditional settings is there is a certain rigidity I think that is um, kind of cultivated because we honor all of the different history and the culture and the spirits of a particular set of rituals and there's power. And when we, you know, dial in the, the right combination of elements and songs and so forth, um, you know, the door opens and magic happens. And sometimes those traditions butt up against other traditions that don't necessarily, uh, aren't in alignment or in congruence with the original um, tradition. I don't know if I'm making any sense or not. So I think that 
there are the thought forms and the spirits that align around a particular tradition um, with some level of rigidity and to be really honoring of that and not try to shift that to another context. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so um, um, I would say that there is more consciousness to uh, the alignment of the energies uh, when you're working with a traditional ceremonial uh, circumstance compared to the more organic and so these songs have, um, they're, they're my children, and I have caretaken them, and sometimes I get myself into trouble <laughs> with them. <laughs> but at the same time, it is a way, as you said, I mean, when it comes together, in, by accepting the structure mm-hmm. and, and, and tapping the history of humans gathering again and again and again and singing these songs in this way, in this order, you know, it does tap another way that we access the power to change and heal and transform in shamanism, which is oh, completely, to, yeah. is to work mm-hmm. with the ceremony, the traditions, that it is the same, that everyone can sing out because they know them. <laughs> right. Know? And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... it's, it's um. It's important, I think, for people who tend to sort of, in the contemporary world, sort of grow up in one little corner of shamanism, in one little neighborhood, you know, and they don't realize it's a bigger city, you know, it's a bigger right. world, and that it's not all tradition, and it's not all just spontaneous either, that these things work um, in, a, in a real dynamic uh, relationship with each other, I think, yes. in shamanism. Yeah, well, very well put. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and song connects it all. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so let's let's go back here and get smaller here because we just got real big. <laughs> let's get smaller. I, I do want to say one bit. thing about the bigness is the words that you used in your invocation. Mm-hmm. You know, we come, you and I, we come from similar and different shamanic backgrounds, mm-hmm. and your invocation was um what it was like oh she's she is saying and invoking and using the words of um uh what do i want the, just the broadest and yet shared shamanic way of seeing and perceiving in the world so i just it was like oh you know you you there is a common language mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just wanted to honor you for that, and, and it was really heartwarming. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So just, I wanted just to tell everybody just personally, you know, we've actually been waiting for a few days to re- pre-record this show because Lori was just singing at Sundance, <laughs> and her little vocal cords needed a break. <laughs> <laughs> so. I would have been okay, but then we had a, um, a hoot nanny. The night the dance ended, there were four guitarists, and and uh, we were all singing. We sang every song that driver knew. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's kind of um, break this down, because we did say more in the beginning of the show that, you know, you don't have to think you can sing or know how to sing to be able to do this. And so in per- preparing for the show, you know, you shared to me that 
okay, it begins with a connection to the spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then forming a heartfelt intention. I'm going to let you go from there to, you know, mm-hmm. what, let's say someone's listening and they kind of know about journeying. They kind of know about shamanism. They want to give this a whirl. So how, how, how would they do that? So they begin by making their connection. Now, is this as a client or as a healer or? Just as a, just a kind of a practitioner who's just doing this for themselves at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that, again, the intention is always the most important driving part of the process. So uh, let's use a, um, you're having a little bit of a challenge with the relationship. And, um, And so the intention that you might form might be that um, you want to open your heart and uh, create some positive shifts in the way that you're seeing the relationship. Um, And so, so that this relationship becomes one that you are fed by and that you're in alignment with and not up against whatever it is that happens to be um, going on in the moment. So, um, and uh, the intention is always really important, as you know, to make it a positive intention, not a, I don't want this, but what do you want? And then, um, maybe feel into those places that you know are getting in the way. And as in all shamanism, we're either removing things from our energetic um, realm, thought forms, spiritual densities, things that that are standing in the way of wellness. And then we're also filling and inviting that divine power and wisdom to fill us. Um, and so in sound healing um, and shamanic sound healing, we are essentially working with those two aspects. And so I would um, call in the spirits and some people might um, feel comfortable beginning to sing or make sounds, Um, but we're making sounds when we speak and when we pray. They might not be melodious, but we are creating and forming an intention with our voices in when we speak and when we pray. And then, um, and oftentimes, you know, I'll work with fire, a candle or a bowl of water, or in this case, I also have a big lake to work with and I call in the spirits and I might even begin and recommend them beginning to, um, pick a few spirits names and and add some musical notes to the words of those names just to allow that process to um unfold and um and and if they're by themselves in the privacy of their um sacred space it will become a lot easier because the spirits will come and they will start feeding you and your voice and it'll become this beautiful feedback loop between you and your desire to commune with these spirits and to make some sounds 
to invite them in and they will actually then kind of teach you and feed that cycle of invocation. And so that would be one really good place to start is um, how you invoke the spirits. And, um, you know, you might think, oh, let's see, one of my power animals is lion. So you'll start saying the word lion, 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 lion. And then you'll, you know, feel your heart start that desire for the lion to come in to start feeding that desire. And um, there's a really interesting, beautiful relationship between where the heart is and where the lungs are. And the heart will start feeding the lungs that love. And in collaboration with your vocal cords, you'll start uh, some kind of developing an incantation or invocation for your spirits just through a very simple process. So that's kind of the one of the very beginning aspects. So and how then, does this... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, please. I was going to say, so how does this shift if, if we are um, a practitioner with a client present? Well, um, it starts very much the same, but it, and it really depends on... Um, I'll, I'll just describe what I do. Um, so the client um, and I sit down and we form an energetic and um, an energetic connection. And um, the words that the client says starts painting a picture of what their energetic configuration is and where they might be constricted and um, where wisdom and power could help, um, create shifts. And, um, I am invoking the spirits even in our conversation together. And then, um, and you can, I work with a massage table. Sometimes I have the person lay on the floor or sit in a chair and I start invoking the spirits. And I, I generally use the, um, the medicine wheel, and I'll start invoking spirits from a particular direction to come in, and then they will guide me, and they will show me what rattle to pick up, what drum to pick up. They will send me songs for them, um, for the client, or um, they may have me pick up a bowl, and I'll just start um, basically channeling the sounds that are needed by that person at that time to release um, impediments to their wellness as well as to fill in with divine power and, um, and wisdom. And because I'm shamanically trained, um, some of that filling may involve a soul retrieval. And I may do it in the classic sense that we were all taught or I may do it um, in a different way using the sound of the bowls and so forth to carry me to the place where the soul part is and then to use sound to um, carry that back and fill the client with it. And likewise with 
um, other shamanic practices that we all do, extraction and um, depossession, the sound um, of the bowls and the bells and the drum and my voice facilitate that those experiences, especially extraction. The voice and sound is very good at um, helping with extractions. And traditionally in shamanic uh, training, we're taught to, you know, have the spirits show us a, or give us a song for extraction. And the way that I work is just sort of a big expansion on that invitation to use spirit-guided sound to help remove those dense energies and um, impediments to our wellness. And then filling sounds to fill with power, um, wisdom, and in specific cases, soul parts as well. And so, um, you know, it depends on what level of training different shamanic practitioners have, but it's really inviting an openness for the spirits to come in and use them as an instrument and to invite the voice to really open and participate. And, um, and this takes some time, and, but it also can be a very instantaneous kind of thing. What I've noticed um, is that when you say yes to sound healing, it's almost as if... Um, you become attuned, like you become attuned to Reiki, that the holy spigot <laughs> turns on <laughs> and and sound begins to move through you when you say yes. And, you know, during that movie, what is it, Three Weddings and a Funeral, when he says the Father, Son, and the Holy Spigot, well, there is such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and sound healing is very much... Uh, collaborates and invites that holy spigot to be turned on. So um, let's talk a little bit about what it's like to come into class with you, because that also then can lead us into talking about um, uh, how, how this can work when it's not just a one-on-one practitioner situation. Yeah. So most of the people that I, um, have in my classes all at least know how to journey it's a prerequisite i do have some workarounds for that i prefer it if um, people know how to journey first and we will uh, we always begin first with an introduction to each other and right away people see oh i'm going to be put on the spot because i asked them to make a sound uh, that indicates where they are right now and all of a sudden they have to drop into their heart and, you know, feel their level of vibration and open their mouth and go through the whole egoic process of witnessing and, you know, maybe judgment or not. And so that becomes an invitation um, to start that dialogue and and sort of uh, meta-consciousness about um, how we dance with the ego and what our role, our sacred role as as healers on the planet uh, requires. It's all done very softly, but the dialogue begins to open. And then um, we always will do um, a shared building of the altar. 
And I used to um, set an altar and then have people put their place, put their things on the altar. But now we do it all together as a class. And as part of that, they must um, at some point use their voice to invoke the spirits um, that are being represented by the pieces that they're placing on the altar. So it's like they are, people are instantly welcomed and hopefully feel safe to begin to experiment with, okay, we're not just going to academically learn how to do sound healing, but here are some very initial important um, uh, rituals that we do that that sound can add power to. And then um, we will often... Uh, share with each other what if there's particular something that's going on in their lives that they're working on, um, what kind of healing intentions they are working on for that week. And then we'll do a preparatory journey that the spirits give me to prepare us for our learning and healing exercises. And, um, and the spirits always give me new ones, um, for, I've been teaching this class, I think, 20 times or something, and they always give me new journeys. So people, I have a lot of people who take this class over and over again, and there's you know new journeys or new twists on old journeys to get people connected with their spiritual power right away so that they are buoyed and empowered by this as they step into the learning exercises. And then... Um, we always do some kind of pairing. So people pair up and their clients or their practitioners and um, we go through sort of a, a set of um, how to come into rapport with somebody, um, how to listen to and then um, relay what they heard about what healing intention they were um, holding and then the they begin embarking on making sound, whatever the whatever the um, exercise happens to be. You know, um, they begin working with their voices for the most part to bring about that healing intention. And what has become really cool over the time that I've been teaching this class is when I first started teaching, I was worried about people's sounds interfering with each other because we were in a really small room. Now we're in a bigger space. And what the invitation began to emerge was that different pairs would ultimately be using other pairs' sounds to build on the sounds that they were making and being directed to, to make on behalf of their client. And it becomes this this beautiful weaving of healing sounds on behalf of the clients. And um, it's really quite something. <laughs> Not anything I could have ever planned. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so safety really and feeling comfortable with each other and building community um, before stepping into what can be a really scary place for people is sort of the primary thing. And, and when I first discovered that we were um, supposed to be building the altar together 
and spending some time talking about our healing intentions. At first I was kind of looking at the clock going, oh, wow, you know, an hour of my three-hour class is going by, you know, in this initial process. And the Spirit said, this is all really important for um, how you build rapport with your clients, how you weave community power and wisdom into the healing process, how we come together as human beings and weave our soul level desires into creating um, a healing and learning environment. And when the, after the spirits told me that, it was like, oh, okay, that's why we're doing this, is the healing and the learning is important and this bringing about the community uh, level of, of power is also very important whether you're one-on-one or you're in a group. So, um, and um, also during my class, the spirits will give me some kind of ceremony or initiation. Um, And usually there's two or three throughout the 10-week course or several of them in my weekend intensive. And all of those um, initiations are designed to help dissolve um, the egoic impediments that we have to our full expression and knowingness of ourselves as a as a as a spirit in a human body and as a healer so and those always of course involve sound so you also mentioned that um, that you have a an open session with your graduates right that's been really cool um, I was seeing a need for um, opportunities for people to receive healing without having to pay for anything or um, to be in a circle and having it be open to the community. Um, and so what the spirits showed me was um, at the, on the 10th week of my 10-week class, we have what's called the open um, community sound healing session. And the people who are graduating from my class invite their friends and family. And we also just have an all call to um, people in the community, to the public to come. And um, we all assemble in the church and um, everybody introduces themselves um, and um, in a sentence or two shares their healing intention that they're bringing for the for themselves or a family member and then um, we call the spirits in and my class then um, we set up a, a massage table over the altar and we do what's called a tribal sound healing session where one by one People from the audience come uh, comes up and lays on the table and reminds us what their intention is, and then together, the twelve to however many people there happen to be in the class, we work together with our voices and instruments to set into motion the person's intention, and um, that is really quite intense and you don't have to be on the table to receive a healing people that are in the audience 
that just are in the audience and don't ever come up um, have reported amazing results from their being just in the space. And that's been extremely gratifying and uplifting to have that opportunity to share with the community those gifts of those graduates. So, Lori, are there any cautions you would offer people as they forge ahead? Um, well, again, having a very heartfelt um, intention in your heart, always as the driving force of the sound, um, not making loud sounds or abrupt, scary sounds around the person's head. I'm always really mindful. I have very sensitive hearing, so when I played my big booming drums um, during an extraction or I start um, with bowls, I always um, start away from the head and um, I hit the bowl away from the head and then I might bring the bowl slowly to the head. I think always um, inviting the compassionate, benevolent spirits into the container not an all call to all spirits, but benevolent, <laughs> compassionate spirits. And um, I'm always also very, um, if the person is sitting in a chair or standing, I ask them um, if it's okay for me to make sound behind them because some people have had scary things happen to them from behind that have involved sounds of various kinds. So we really want to uh, develop this safe rapport. And I always tell people, okay, I'm going to be making sound. And um, the sounds that I'm making are very much guided by my helping spirits. And sometimes they may sound jarring or... um, They might not sound really sweet. They might sound harsh and that that those sounds are designed to help break things up and to move energies so that um, the the power in our system can, can reconfigure into a higher vibration. And so I always tell people what basically is going to happen. You're going to hear some, you know, maybe the rattle and the the drum might sound and feel a little harsh. And what that energy is doing of these sounds is it's helping to remove, you know, impediments to your wellness. And then you might hear, um, you know, melodious, soothing sounds. And a lot of times during the process, I am instructing the client as to an intention that they can hold while a certain set of sounds is making okay i'm going to i'm going to be using this drum and if you feel like you would like to move physically move and we're going to visualize um you know that thought form about your relationship to to dissolve and go into the candle or go into the bowl of water or if i'm by the lake by the lake and then if i start working with a crystal bowl you know i say we're going to invite the um compassionate perfection of life to come and with the sound of this bowl 
invite that into your heart and all the places in your life and into your body and into your soul, those places that need filling so that they have a focus for something that they can hold while I'm making sound. And that's becoming more and more a really important part of my practice. So, Lori, I'd like to give you a chance to actually play your bowl. So let let me quickly remind people that you can contact Lori at Lori, L-A-U-R-I, at shamanicsoundhealing.com or just go to the website, shamanicsoundhealing.com. Um, next week we'll be talking about dance in our exploration of art and shamanism. And um, since we're going to go out with the bowl here, I just want to give thanks to the ancestors who guide us all, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that connects us all. And so I'm going to turn this over now to Lori. Thank you. It's been fabulous to speak with you. And Thank share you, Lori. And have this opportunity. Okay, and just receive the perfection of life and go enjoy 